0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Gary V Audio Experience. Today's episode is part one of the Marketing for the Now episode 22 podcast. We hope you enjoy and we hope to see you back tomorrow for part two. This is the Gary V Audio Experience.
1: Hey, everybody,
2: welcome to VaynerX Presents Marketing for the Now. I'm Andrea Sullivan, CMO of VaynerX, and I'm here with Gary Vaynerchuk, the creator of V Friends.
3: Among other things,
2: yes. Happy one-year anniversary of marketing for the now, Barry.
3: Thank you, Andrea. It's great to see you. Uh, love your love your uh, painting or oh, image mixed. behind it. It's pretty oh, cool. Yeah, it's yeah. Got a little uh, fancy going on. Great to see you. Very excited about today's show. Obviously, a subject matter that I've been engulfed in all year, and uh, especially last month. <laughs> and. Um, I'm really excited about it we have a ridiculous lineup.
2: We do have a ridiculous lineup. I just wanted to share a couple. We did some anniversary math and we've hosted 22 episodes. We've had we've featured 213 speakers. I don't know how we got that odd number. Um, and viewership has climbed up to 80,000 people per episode and we've hit 144 countries. So thanks to everybody for supporting us. Hashtag marketing for the now, let's go. Because first <laughs> up, We've got Mark Cuban. He's the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, Let's Go Mavs, and Shark Tank Investor. Welcome, Mark.
4: What's up, guys? Thanks for having me on.
3: Mark, it's great to see you, brother.
4: Hey, bud. How are you?
3: I'm really well. Thanks for being on. I'm going to go right into the first thing I want to say, which is I I think you are underrated because I think you and I share something. And, it, and the final, final nail in the coffin happened with, this last five, six months with NFTs as you know, I think you are incredibly consumer centric. And I don't think people talk about it enough. When I say that to you, you know, because everything that I've come across on NFTs, it just scares, almost shakes me. It makes me happy because I admire you a lot. Um, I'm like, man, that's the same shit that works for me you don't come from a place of what's in it for me. You come from a place of what's in it for them and then you reverse engineer. That's what I believe I do. And I've noticed that through the years, You know, obviously we know each other a little bit, but like this one especially, I feel like you and I and maybe a couple other people have been pretty aggressive on it in a way that just feels exactly like web 1.0 did for me, yeah. exactly what web 2.0 felt for me and, it probably shouldn't be a surprise because of how much you nailed web one and how intuitive you were in web two, even though you were so busy in what you were doing. When I say that opening line, does that hit? Do you understand it? And what? how do you take that?
4: Yeah, of course I understand it. I mean, you know, the only benefit of technology is when people benefit from it and you have to understand what the applications are and how people can consume them. And so, yeah, I agree with you, whether it was you know, my, my first company doing local query networks before pretty much anybody else doing streaming, doing um, the first all high-definition TV um, um, yep. station. you know, being vertical in 2006 with only a theater and releasing movies on yep. D and online, you know, it all comes down to what are people going to consume? What's the path of least resistance for consumers? And if you can take the technology that you're involved with and Supply that path of least resistance and give them a better experience. You're going to win,
3: Mark. I have a take that there's a lot of 1999, 2000 internet dynamics playing out here. That yep. the macro NFT thing is way, way, way bigger than people actually realize because it's going to be. It's a social truth. It's the digitalization of assets. We use those assets to communicate. This is going to play out, comma, like 99 and 2000. There's so much excitement in a in a certain group, still a small group, but excitement that just like a lot of the internet stocks were overpriced on the macro long-term promise of internet that a lot of the investing in the individual NFTs have a lot of vulnerability as supply and demand dynamics play out over the next half decade to maybe not be great individual investments, but the macro and if you can find the Amazon and the eBay and the Google in there, what do you think about that?
4: I think think you're wrong. I don't think it's 1999, I think it's 1995, right? And, Understood. and I think it's not so much about NFTs. NFTs are proof of concept. Just like, you know, in 1995, everybody was just setting up a website and that website was a business, you know, hey, and it seemed complicated to do HTML or JavaScript, right? Yes. Oh, I know somebody who does HTML. They must be really, really smart. And, and so every website seemed like a business and everybody got excited about it. But it turned out that was really just proof of concept. And the underlying concept now are smart contracts on EVMs, um, Ethereum virtual machines, typically on Ethereum, but also on Matic and other places, right? And you're starting, just like we argued about in streaming, we argued real networks versus um, uh, NetShow versus all these other streaming protocols, right? Now we're arguing about blockchains. But the reality is smart contracts on Ethereum and other compatible blockchains it's just the beginning and the proof of concept is NFTs because anything digital can be an NFT and we've just scratched the surface on what truly is going to be done with these smart contracts.
3: Who do you think the big winners are and who are the big losers in, let's say the way you see the chess moves playing out over the next, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to truncate this in the next five years, seven, seven, maybe I'll let you push it to 10, I'll let you go where you want to go. Who do you think really wins from this at scale, consumers are now accustomed to a non-custodial wallet they, you know, I keep telling people, my friends, I'm like, don't be your mom and dad. They were scared to put a credit card into a computer yeah. and now and you're scared, right?
4: Exactly, yeah, that's the analogy I use. People are terrified of
3: credit terrified. cards. You know? No when one's I launched Wine use Libr-
4: Amazon, yeah, no one used Amazon. What,
3: literally every person in my dad's liquor store, when I was like, "Buy WineLibrary.com," don't drive from New York to the store. They were like, "I, why would my credit card's gonna get stolen?"
4: Right, and that's what you saw in media too, right? You know, that's what TV was really big. You know, and I remember doing streaming, and people were like. I don't know what internet broadcasting is, but I'll just turn on my motherfucking TV. Correct. You know, leave me alone.
3: <laughs> who do you think who do you think, Mark? So who's to, the, win? to the question. Who's- yeah. Who do you think who do you think's positioned to really do nicely? And who do you think loses a little bit of leverage in a scaled internet and now an emergingly scaled blockchain ecosystem?
4: Too early to tell. It really, really is. I think Ethereum will be fine. And the reason I say that is because it's what it's it's the platform everybody's trying to compete with. And when you try to compete on speed transactions per second and pricing, it's really, really tough because everybody sets the same you know, milestones and benchmarks. And it's not like the people in the Ethereum community with their EIPs or Ethereum improvement um, proposals aren't going to keep on moving forward. They, they do. And so the whole industry is going to move forward. Smart contracts will move forward. I think what's going to drive everything is the applications. So we're seeing, you know, like what you've done, you've extended um, the value proposition for NFTs, not just, you know, a digital picture or movie or whatever it may be. You know, you've extended the value and that was ballsy because I, I wouldn't even want to be your accountant or your,
3: your tax <laughs> guy for the way you guys did it. Well, right? especially when you sell Ethereum at an ordinary income and then it decides to go in half. I've had a very intriguing forty-eight hours, no question. Yeah, no, Mr. no Cuban. I mean,
4: Just like because you included access to different events, right. you know, how do you account for that? That's you know, right. there there's issues there. So, you know, that's one issue. I mean, things like um Cliff notes, right? Why aren't Cliff notes NFTs? You take your class, you sell them, right? Someone's going to buy a publishing company and do all that. We still haven't solved music. There's still issues with royalties and extending them across platforms, right? So there's all these things that are going to be solved at some point. And you know, just like you used the credit card analogy, I used the streaming analogy. When we first started streaming in 1995, in order to listen to you know a radio station, you had to have a PC with a modem with a dial-up ISP. With a TCP/IP client, with a, a a client to do the streaming, with a you know a batch file on a website, and now when you think about streaming, you just think about watching TV, Correct. watching a Correct. show. And you don't even know what happens. exactly before, same before thing I lose,
3: happens. before I lose you in a minute, is there any logical reason for anyone to issue a ticket to an event, a concert, a sporting event, some other? As we go and let's say the prices come down because I can respect where Ethereum is right now with gas prices, but you could do it on wax, you could do it on others. And we'll, we'll see level two with Ethereum. Is there gonna be a tipping point where in a little bit here, two years, three years, one year, five years, where there'll almost be no reason to not make every ticket in NFT because it becomes a marketing collateral asset for that issuer. And God forbid Luca drops hundred points in a game in four years, it becomes a secondary derivative royalty asset for your team.
4: Yeah and also it, it's you know it's something it's it's an enabler too so you can do so many different things with it but the question isn't will it it's when and the question becomes at what we'll start doing it this coming season where we'll issue an nft after you've chosen your ticket on ticketmaster or whatever right so gary has seat a3 in section 109 now we already know that we use the API. Bam! We'll give Derek Gary his NFT, and that comes with all the associated value that we create for it. Because there's no limit to the value we can add to it. And then the hard part then is saying, okay, how do we move that closer to the origination of the purchase of
2: the ticket? Yeah, it'll
3: take some time.
4: Yeah, that'll take some time,
3: brother. I wish you well,
4: yeah, bro. See you soon. Congrats, always Thank a you. pleasure.
2: Next up, we've got Sarah Zucker of this the Sarah Show. Sarah is an artist and writer who creates interdimensional TV transmissions with humor, psychedelia, mysticism, and the an interplay of cutting edge and obsolete technologies. She's been additioning her work as NFTs in the crypto art space in early 2019. Sarah's GIF art has been viewed over 6.6 billion times on Giphy, and she's a Jeopardy! champion. Welcome, Sarah.
3: Hey Andrea, I think you might have a tab open. Andrea, there's an echo of some sorts. Not sure, take a look. Or maybe that's coming. Actually, might, might, are you on a phone? Me? No. Yeah, okay, we'll figure it out. No worries. Maybe go on mute, Andrea. I'm not sure if there's something going on there because you hear the echo, Sarah?
5: Uh, I do not. Okay, no worries. Um,
3: How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm incredibly well. Uh, why don't you start with a manifesto? What is your... I think that's what I'll probably start doing for the rest of the show. Give me your two, three minutes on what the many who are watching here need to know about NFTs from your incredible perspective as an OG and somebody who's been living with it.
5: Sure. Uh, You know, I get asked this a lot and they really are as simple as a container, right? NFTs are a container technology. Uh, I'm an artist who has a background in the photographic fine art market, so I really see NFTs as a complete one-to-one analog from, you know, the way a photographer could addition a print of their work. We as screen-based artists can now addition our work in its native format. Um, it's it's really as simple and as revolutionary as that. You know, as someone who's worked with video for, for about a decade at this point, it was always a, a difficult proposition to try and... Um, monetize and find support for your work you know you had to do all these sort of Byzantine things to try and get yourself supported as a video artist or as a gif artist or a 3d artist um, so it's it's really interesting it's one of those technologies that in its simplicity it has as we've seen broken this dam of support open for an entire uh, subsection of artists who, have really been defining our visual culture in sure. the metaverse online for a long time at this point.
3: I think that's exactly right. Um, team on the marketing for now side, I've got nothing open and I don't know why I'm echoing. So let's let's see if we can figure it out. If just text me if you have a. Oh, there we go. I think somebody fixed something. Sarah, um, what is the response? from the artist community that's like, just wakes up right now and says, my God, wait a minute, has my life completely changed? Do I actually now have a practical means to, instead of using this on the internet to get exposure, which might lead to something, no, the actual thing becomes the thing and could really change my life. What have been the whispers in your community?
5: Yeah, you know, it has been, um, there's been a lot, there's been a lot of noise in the, in the artist community, certainly because um, you know like with anything like this you see a lot of people sort of quickly grok what it is and run with it mm-hmm. and um and there's also been a lot of fear i think that has come up which uh, to me says a lot about the artist's place in society really you know uh i think a lot of us have for a long time been very conditioned to create our work for free to seek visibility for our work uh you know through social media and proto social media like tumblr um and it was always this model of create good work and then wait for emails. You know, you mm-hmm. were expected to create your work and then wait for people to contact you and potentially commission you and potentially give you gigs. And this is such a complete flip or flippening, if you will, of uh, <laughs> of how we support ourselves as artists. And um, I think for a lot of people, there's there's disbelief around that because you know, uh, lived life and lived experience really conditions you to expect things to be a certain way. And, um, and I think it's that, it, it appears maybe to some people almost like it's easy money. Um, and I would be the first to say, nothing about this has been easy, you know, it's-, it's,
3: it's, been- it's it, Where people are confused, Sarah, is some of the people so- that moved first, who deserve it, moved first and fast, were able to get different economics. What everyone's about to realize, Sarah, and I'm sure you know this, is that, can you hear me? I
5: can hear you. I'm gonna try putting headphones in. No uh, worries, no worries. The no worries. info yeah. is my problem. Yeah, no worries,
3: no worries. We're, uh, we're working around it. Um, the thing that I think people are gonna realize is that the supply and demand now, now that the cat's out of the bag, you're just gonna have so many more people creating art, ones that have held it in in the past, and there's just a supply in their scenario. But I, I don't believe that the artists that I've watched, especially in 18, 19 and early 20, that might've had some incredible moments, especially in that early establishment, I believe they deserve it for taking the risk and seeing it and finding it. I think they earned it through strategy. And now what's gonna happen, it's like social media. In 2006, seven, eight, nine, some people established Dane Cook, established his fame by using MySpace. He didn't. He earned that with the right strategy. Then everyone figures out social media is something and then it becomes a supply and demand. Every 20 year old is trying to become TikTok and Instagram famous, not everyone's destined to. I, I don't think every artist that is good is gonna smash it selling NFTs in 2023. I'm just happy so many more will than would have had the technology not come across our paths. You agree? You
5: disagree? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, what you're hitting on, and thank you for saying that, you know, I think you're absolutely right that artists have been conditioned to do the best we can with an attention economy. That's what, right. you know, every artist, uh, I think, working today knows the email of, I'm not going to pay you, but I'll give you exposure. Right? Sarah, real quick, real
3: quick, <laughs> yes. real quick. I apologize for interrupting. I would argue everybody's been living in that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've been living off of that. Build exposure, and then I've worked my face off in building companies that might be able to. Now, not as much. Now I have options to not have to do that. I I view a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of other, I think artistry goes pretty broad. You have comedians who are putting out clips that get 40 million views on a TikTok post who are now potentially going to sell these, that, Comedy—it's really a fascinating time, no?
5: Oh, completely. We've added this extra component. You know, it's we're we're uh, essentially just adding to the attention economy this component, which allows us to then uh, convert that attention into financial support into something that says we are now no longer expecting expecting support to trickle down to us sort of at the end of the line once the platforms, once everything else has taken its cut. It's now allowing us to really take the reins on what we're doing here. Sarah,
3: do you think, you know, one thing I've seen from some of the artist community is like Gary, you know, friends are like, but it's not fair. This athlete's doing it and this is doing it. And they're taking away from us. I'm like, brother, you've been talking about freedom of art. Well, this is freedom of art. You can't have it both ways. Have you seen that conversation spin up? And have you kind of, what's your point of view on that?
5: You know, I have. And I see, I see, like I said, there's a lot of noise in the community. It can be quite deafening at times. Um, And what I always say about the space is that it's self-electing, right? That it's something that creating NFTs, and that's what I mean by it's very hard for people to shake their sense of how things should be. Should be because of how things have always been. Um, And it's, I don't know if you've ever seen the meme of the kid holding, it's like he has a boot on his head and then then it zooms out and you see he's holding the boot on his head. That's kind of what it brings up for me of like, no one is getting in your way except yourself in this regard. That this is something you elect yourself to do. And I will say this as someone who, you know, I had a very modest social media following prior to this. I, of course, was a, was a, very dedicated artist for many years, but I was not coming to this space as someone who you would consider to be a celebrity. Um, and I have really uh, myself and many of the artists in this space have established ourselves by continuous good work. Correct. That it is as simple as that: continuous and, good work. And
3: Sarah, look, if the God, the Queen, if she of art came down and said, "Okay, I'm the official voice." And Sarah, Mm -hmm. you're just as good as Darrell and Donnie and Susan over here. Mm -hmm. But you moved quicker and more strategic. So your impact financially and awareness is going to be different because Darrell and Susie and Donnie are destined to come in in a year. And the supply
5: and demand curves are going to be different. That is how it's going to play out. It is. It's what I remind artists because I, I do, you know, I am an artist first you know and I and I want as best I can to help artists who are naturally sensitive people um, you know just just take care of their mental health and all of this that I remind them that your sales have nothing to do with the quality of your art really like those two things are perhaps related but they are there is not causality or correlation there Um, that this is ultimately a market this is something that is a market if If you are coming in late to a market and the market is already very saturated, you are going to have a much harder time establishing yourself.
3: Sarah, very famous people have sold no NFTs. You know this. Yes. Some of the most famous people in the (laughs) world have launched NFTs in the last two months, sometimes in collaboration with a great digital artist, Mm -hmm. and have sold nothing because they didn't build it or they didn't market it or they didn't launch it with
5: the right strategy. Right. And I think you're hitting on something really important here, which is, authenticity has a great deal of value in in this space i think and my experience has been that crypto native people can smell bullshit from a mile off and humans can right humans can can, totally um and and that's when i see that happen i think that it's it's that uh everything we're doing here is a question around what has value and why and why do we give it value and when it's perceived as someone coming in with this energy of sort of like they're just coming in from left field because they smell money, people just go, I don't want to give you my money. (laughs) You know? Um, The end. end.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I know we have to go, I'm ready, Andrea. I know I'm having too much fun with Sarah and went over and I don't usually do that. Or Sarah, when the the, the artist, whether it's someone famous or an artist, even maybe from real physical art, they come in with audacity as if they are owed Mm -hmm. it or deserve it. Which is ludicrous.
5: It is. It is ludicrous. And I think that's what excites people about this space is a feeling of, of course, of course, it's like I said, it's not necessarily correlated to quality, but there is a sense of, um, it's just, it's just tumbling those, those feelings of entitlement and those feelings of who is owed what. And I think that excites people that we're seeing a different group of people kind of come to the forefront with this.
3: I love it. Thank you for being on the show. My
5: pleasure. Thank you for having me.
3: Next up, we
2: celebrate Tom Billiou. Tom has quite a personal story in addition to being a billion dollar entrepreneur. He co founded Juggernaut Quest Nutrition and is now the CEO and co founder of Impact Theory, where his studio produces tons of content, including the company's flagship series, Impact Theory with Tom Billiou, where he interviews the world's highest achievers in order to unlock their secrets to success and a powerful mindset. Welcome, Tom. Thank you,
3: Tom. Great to see you. What's up, dude. Great to see you, brother. Same, man. Looking at your shelf, knowing you personally, uh, (laughs) this did you do the same thing I did in in December, January? I don't know when you did it, where you were just like, thank you, God, for letting me be at this point in my life when this thing came along. Uh, No doubt. Yeah, yeah. I got introduced to the
6: idea of of digital rarity about six years ago. And the guy showed it to me and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is going to entirely change my business, and then promptly forgot about it because the tech wasn't ready yet. Obviously, sure. uh, we didn't have the network effects. But so when it came back on my radar, I was like, "We are all in. We are moving millions of dollars allocated to building things out in the, you know, blockchain space, especially NFTs, and have really stayed true to like this is changing our entire business." So it's uh, this is a thrill ride.
3: What's uh? What's your early observations? What do you think?
6: So right now people need to look at this as a technology. And so I am, unlike you who were sort of savvy enough when web 1.0 came around, you got that early. For me, I was in filmmaker mode. So that was just a non-entity. I wasn't thinking about that at all. I was just, how do I break into Hollywood? It was a totally different game. That passes me by, I get into business much later, probably what, 2003, I finally embark on my business journey. This is post collapse, like, you know, so I'm coming into this, oh, like technology is a thing. And uh, that was now looking back, really sad to have missed that. So seeing this now, seeing the energy, seeing how there was just this sucking sound of like talent and excitement pouring into this space and, you know, wanting to be in it from the ground up, wanting to build something long term. And that's my the sort of key insight and is what's allowing us to get a lot of artists on our platform at a time where you know everybody's got a platform, is we give them our best practices document and say, look, this is about long-term, this is about building a community, and people can see my track record. I know how to build communities. That, that's like what I do. So I'm like, look, we're gonna help you guys build a community and help you build out a long-term strategy. Don't think of this as like that quick cash grab. And then the next part is, this is a technology. And so as an artist, You've got to now broaden your canvas of possibilities of how you give that like moment of awe where you're giving people the chills through your art because you understood that the, you know, the modern canvas now can do shit. And so it's, it's a really interesting moment.
3: What, uh? there's a lot of entrepreneurs in here, a lot of different people. What, it, you know, we've only got five minutes. What, what is like, go bullet point for me, bullet point things that people should do or think about.
6: If they want to leverage blockchain Mm -hmm. and NFTs. Yeah, if they're
3: watching this, right? We've had three people on now with me. I've been yapping forever. Like the energy is building. They're like, all right, you know, maybe I believe these people now. Yeah, maybe I believe it. Maybe I don't, I'm not cynical. I'm actually gonna, I'm not gonna do what I did with the internet and with social media and say, no, no, no. (laughs) This time, trick me once, trick me twice. But this third time, I'm not missing. How do you think about it?
6: Yeah. Number one is people need to learn about the technology. So the entrepreneurs that are going to win are the ones that can create something other people can't create simply because they know what I call the physics of the situation. So Mm -hmm. there's a guy that I think is really worth following. His name is Gary V. I don't know if you've seen him, but he talks. (laughs) He talks a lot about this idea of like waking up and looking what's popping off in the app store. That's somebody who understands attention, understands human psychology, and goes, okay, based on what I know about human psychology, you know, you tell that famous story, you put the sign here, right? Mm -hmm. And so as people are getting into NFTs, if you don't understand the physics of that technology, hold on
3: one second, I apologize. There's somebody spamming on Facebook, acting as me, putting a wallet up. Let's ban that person. (laughs) And also, I will never ask you for money, I will never ask you for your metaphrase, a metamask seed phrase. You know, sorry to cut you off, the, Tom, but it's. Pro- I'd love to no, get your no, perspective on this. When it's the wild, wild west, you also get a lot of the scammers out there.
6: Yeah, it, people have got to get educated. And this is where taking full responsibility for yourself and educating yourself before you do anything is the key. Now, taking action, I think, is the most important thing that you can do. So bullet point number two. So if number one was learn the technology, number two is now go create something. And when I told our team that um, when I first told them years ago, hey, we're going to get into comics, and we were like a YouTube channel, they were all very confused. And (laughs) 10 months later, we've got comic books on stands. And my own team was like, how did we just pull that off? Right? But it's just what are the physics of the situation? And so I went into extreme learn mode. So I did the same thing with NFTs. All right, cool. The technology's here, but I don't know the technology. So now I need to get under the hood, take every meeting I can, start learning solidity, look at, you know, Flow blockchain. What are its advantages? Wax, what are its advantages? Ethereum, what are its advantages? Where do I think people are going to be, right? Skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. There was no way for me to sort of think my way through that. I had to start building. So I found a tech guy. We originally thought we were going to build on Flow then actually getting into sort of where that tech was compared to what I needed to do, realized, nope, we need to be over on Ethereum. And so that wasn't something I could think my way to. And so getting people super comfortable with go take action, go mint an NFT, go put it out there, create something, get feedback. Um, that's going to be huge. And then number three, this is a community game. So no matter what you're creating on an NFT, if you're not building a community and holding yourself accountable to what's going to happen over the next 10 years, like what I put out today will be scrutinized 10 years from now. And my community is, is it's going to be on the fucking blockchain. So like there, there is that history, which now can work for you, which is amazing. I, you know, I say a lot that being in the era that we're in with social media and now the blockchain you're living in a phenomenal time because being a good person suddenly is the greatest marketing vehicle of all time. Go figure. It's crazy, but I'm like sure. that wasn't always true. No, it or wasn't. Or at least it wasn't because, easy to yeah, get it out there.
3: Correct, because it w- because there was too many gatekeepers. The inter- A mature internet and a mature blockchain is a very remarkable reality that everybody watching this God willing, good okay. health will live through. And it's gonna be real fucking different, Tom.
6: Yeah, man. And people got to cut through the noise. So especially right now, we're recording this in the middle, like a day after a catastrophic dip in the, the market. Yep. And if people have that long term vision and they understand the technology, you can actually create a functional thesis. So the question I come back to is the market is plummeting is, is digital adoption a one way street? Yes or no? If it's a two-way street and people might, um, maybe I like this internet thing, but you know no, what? Actually, I'm gonna totally abandon the internet or maybe I like this blockchain thing. No, I'm gonna totally abandon it. To me, my thesis is it is a one-way street. It is hope of a better future. It brings new abilities that we didn't have before. And I cannot see in any meaningful way that people will ever backtrack so now it's like, sure, there's gonna be sort of winners and losers of the specifics, but if you're betting on the technology, the blockchain, if you're betting on um, you know, decentralizing, you're gonna win.
3: I agree. Tom, great to see you, brother.
6: Brother, thanks for having me on.
2: Next, we welcome Q Harrison Terry, an entrepreneur who founded 23VV, the world's first digital art marketplace powered by the blockchain. He recently sold the world star hip hop chain for 121 eth on opensea and is also the author of the nft handbook which is being published by wiley later on this year every year q harrison picks one skill that he knows very little about and challenges himself to master it this year japanese mm. welcome q harrison uh, konbawa
0: <laughs> well, what's up y'all what's up uh, gary hey, v What's popping I mean, it's great I mean to see you. life is good for me. What about you?
3: Yeah, things are well. Thank you for asking. Talk to me Likewise. about, talk to me about your, I'm giving everybody the first three minutes, just a uh, manifesto 101 or five, six, seven bullets that you want the people to hear. <laughs> you, you know, it's, you, you've been in it, you're doing your thing. What, what do people need to know or what, what's intriguing to you?
0: It's still day zero, right? I think that that's the first thing that anyone that's looking at this, whether you got involved with it nine months ago, three years ago, or you're just starting today, it's day zero for NFTs. And what that means is you can still learn and be impactful uh, no matter where you're at. And because there's so many industries that haven't been NFTed um, yet or haven't uh, picked up the technology and decided to use NFTs in whatever fashion they will, uh, you can possibly become that expert. And I think that, like, you know, if they, to answer your question, Gary, what what would I recommend someone to do is I would say, go learn, right? And I think learning is different for everybody. There's no one-size-fits-all mm. solution for knowledge, just in general, right? Some people learn better off Instagram. Other people learn better off a, a textbook. Figure out what's most applicable for you and go find the medium at which uh, there is in, NFT inspiration there. If you're an Instagram person, you like social media, at NFT is a great place. It's on Instagram. Instagram. Instagram, you follow the account every day, there's new information, they're covering the highlights, and they're doing the research for you. So you can kind of see what's going on. And if you like something, go dig deep. I think applying that knowledge is the second point, right? If you're going to apply your learnings, that's the only way you're going to understand and build the the comprehension that you need to even teach others or, you know, say this will or this won't work. And uh, ultimately, this NFT space, uh, and uh, Gary, I'm curious your thoughts here, Uh, My third point would be about showcasing. You have like this is one of the few mediums where you have to show up and showcase the work in a way that you know not only uh, activates your community but also gets the people talking, right? Like all of the NFT artists that you you have on the show today, just the people that have done something, they all have something to show, and that's the common thread. Uh, When it comes to showcasing your work, uh, there's there's tons of places to, you can go. Not What's up? only I'm
3: sorry I'm sorry to interrupt but not only do I agree with you I actually think it's the variable. I think that people <laughs> think it's the technology. I I think the variable or even the art. I absolutely believe the variable is the launch strategy.
0: Yeah, yeah. 100%. I, I, and in the expertise on the launch strategy. You can't go create a wallet yesterday and say oh I'm launching an NFT and expect the community to be with you.
3: Correct. And <laughs> and and, and you know for example with v friends i didn't want to go fiat i wanted to educate people on web3 non custodial because right. i know i'm good at it i know i have trust i knew i could protect it i went authentic with discord i went authentic on chain minting <laughs> i right. but it took me 100 days instead it, of just putting something out
0: you know what's funny is i was trying to get some v friends on the nft side and every time you do the drop i would miss it and then i was just <laughs> catching the, the ones i wanted that people were already okay. reselling them and, yeah, there uh, we go. And then I was like, "Damn, Gary! Like, I can't even <laughs> get in because you'll just put it out on Twitter, and I'll see it. And I'm like, God, I'm not the first person to see it."
3: So uh, when did it, When did it, When did you have your re- eureka moment? What's your <laughs> eureka moments? Uh, Yo, yeah, uh, so
0: categories? so you're gonna love this. Uh, I was a digital art dealer in 2014. That's when I first mm-hmm. started dealing digital art. Um, at the time, the, I wasn't using the blockchain. I literally had like a couple social media accounts. I was running around with the moniker or RT Promoter." Uh, bought the domain on the Internet, uh, put up a few you know, social media accounts. And I was just going to artists and I was like, look, artists, they make great work. People have money and they like to spend it on it. I'm broke. I'm in college. I could go work at the library. I could go work at like some student thing and like make like fifteen dollars an hour. Or I could go sell a piece of art and figure it out and I could make five, ten thousand dollars. And so I was hitting people up in San Francisco, New York. Peter, Vu was one of our first like big, big clients and He's this New York artist, so you know I'm seeing it, and I'm like, whoa, in the New York art world. I'm in Wisconsin, and uh, I get a VU, I get a VU piece, and of course he's like, you know, some black kid out of Wisconsin trying to sell his artwork, and he's this prestigious <laughs> artist. He's like, oh hell no! But I'm like, yo, yo, I'm like, VU, I'm not trying to sell your actual work. I don't even want to sell the prints. I want to sell the digital variants. And he's like, huh? And and that's he's where like the, no.
3: He was like, no risk to that. I don't even yeah, know what the fuck that is. It,
0: exactly. And, and so, like, you know, I started. I was like, yo, you can sketch. You all of your work starts intrinsically. On a digital medium, I was like, if you're using Adobe Suite, those are all binary bits and pixels. If you're uh, sketching on your Galaxy Note, because he was one of the, he did a Samsung Galaxy Note campaign way, way back when, right? And so he, he, I mean, he used the note, like he was actually one of those people that was about it. And a lot of Mm -hmm. his sketches, he started on his note. And I'm like, bro, just give me those files and I'll sell them. And so I ended up, long story short, we started this marketplace called 23 Vivi a long time ago, raised some money for it. It was, it was fun. We had, you know, a good time, exit. I'll say we were way too early and we were on the Bitcoin blockchain. Much different than what you see with the Ethereum blockchain and some exactly. of the derivatives there, because, you know, Bitcoin blockchain was mad slow. Like and, and and then at the time, like I'm in college, so we're selling art. The way I did it was I told all my friends, I'd be like, yo, just buy this art piece from me. I'm going to sell it to you for a dollar because we did this reverse uh, ducks option model where I'd sell art for a dollar, just knowing that like it was easier to sell something for a dollar. And it's just about yes. like, momentum. Like you just build that momentum, you get the sales, and then you know things kind of compound from there. So I would sell like the first twenty. I would only make twenty three editions, and sometimes we didn't make twenty three editions. Sometimes we only had sixteen or five or ten just to build artificial scarcity. But the first editions always sold for nominal prices. They'd be like uh, like ten dollars, five dollars, twenty dollars, right? And I would then go create markets. I'll go. I would know like four or five real art collectors, and I'd be like, "Yo, you can get a Peter Vu piece for like." 300 bucks. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah. And then they would buy for 300, right? And so I would
3: Dude, tell my friends, yeah, all, like, you know Yo. what, Honestly, bro, the only thing I'm thinking about right now is like, like damn, I wish Q and I went to college together because we would have been on that 24-hour hustle. Like, you just you know, you, you're grinding and, le- and learning your way.
0: Yeah. And so I did that. I paid, uh, I paid for a lot of college using different hustles, Bitcoin. I don't have a lot of it today because I mean, that paid a lot of my tuition, it, yeah. but uh, I mean, I still st- stay active in the community. So when NFTs popped off again, uh, like late last, like September of last year, mm-hmm, I still mm-hmm. seeing it bubbling and I was like, uh, and you know, I'm getting all these texts and tweets and people are like you were so ahead of the curve, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, all right. So obviously, you know, I get the call one day, um, and they're like, "Yo, can you sell an NFT?" And I was like, "What? What, what do you mean? Like, sell an NFT? Like, I'm, that's that's not that's easy." And so uh, I, I wanted to apply the same things I just talked about. I wanted to like say, "Okay, what do I know something about?" And for the first time ever, now the general mass market is involved in you know these digital wallets and NFTs, and they want they want in. And so I, I talked to the people over at World Star Hip Hop, and I was like, "Yo." Uh, can I sell the world star hip hop chain? And I know my name's Q. I'm not the, I'm not, not trying to impersonate Q, uh, from (laughs) world star. This is Q Harrison, but I want to sell the world star hip hop chain. And they're like, bro, what are you talking about? You know, world star, you know how it is, right? They're like, they're crowding me out the room, but they're like, at the same time, like, yo, like, what is the case talking about? And so I finally got them to, to get on board with it. And, you know, we, uh, we reached out to the good people over at lemonade TV to build the audience visually. Um, we did this auction style drop, very similar to 23 Vivi. But in this case, we like set the price and said, like, yo, it's a digital chain. There's only one of one. We're about to move a digital chain on the blockchain. Like, come catch it off the block. And Ben Baller tweeted about it. And then he hopped on Clubhouse and started ranting. And uh, obviously, you have the first person ever make the real world star chain. Uh, that caused all types of, of waves. We hit TMZ and, you know, Blockboy Crypto I talked love it. about it. I saw the whole thing you saw yeah yeah. so then yeah and then it, it it sold for 121 ETH, which is uh i don't know today's price is probably around three three hundred thousand somewhere around there but uh though that's the type of thing those are the type of communities that you really want to take nfts to right like is, cool. there, there, I, in like the the world is effortless i i was talking to a company uh they make a, they're in your realm. They're like a, a alcoholic beverage company. And they're, okay. they're thinking about taking their bottles and turning them into NFTs. And I thought that was a super cool concept. And Every, all these you know, things.
3: You said something very, very smart right off the gate. Everything's gonna get NFTed. Yeah, it's yes. inevitable. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I said that about websites, people laughed. I remember I said it about social media accounts. Cause I pointed to like 45, 50 year olds at the time. Like you're gonna have a social media account. They laughed. Everything's gonna NFT.
0: Everything, the NFT occasion of everything. So so Gary, you're gonna NFT this this moment right here. Actually, I can I do like it you. if you let me. I get your permission.
2: Approved. Go Q. All right, cool. We're gonna turn hey, this man. into
0: an NFT. We'll drop it.
3: See you, my man. Thank you for being here. <laughs>
0: Thanks, on. man. One.
2: Let's go. Next, we welcome Allison Weisbrot, editor of campaign. Allison is an award-winning journalist with expertise in advertising, marketing, and technology. Today, Allison may flip the script and interview Gary about what NFTs mean for the advertising industry.
3: Let's
1: see. All right. Yes. We're going to put me and put Gary in the hot seat now. I didn't
3: even know this. I'm excited. Yeah. Allison, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Real quick. I just, two seconds. I just noticed somebody posted on Facebook Gary V. What's good? It's Trash from Mount Ida. My boy Trash from college is in Facebook. I haven't talked to him in 20 years. Trash, what's up, my man? I miss you. Hit me up, Gary at vaynermedia.com. We got a chop. All right, Allison, go ahead.
1: All right. So there's so much hype around NFTs. Obviously, you're really bullish on them. What's the long-term business opportunity for brands and marketers who are really trying to get into the space?
3: Well, I think one thing that a lot of brands don't realize is that NFTs are actually marketing collateral. You know, if, if Planter is a client of ours, puts out an extraordinarily smart Mr. Peanut NFT, and it finds its way to 100,000 wallets. The world I live in, Allison, that a lot of people don't yet, is that public wallets, right? Public wallets um, need to and are going to exist. Meaning that if you have a public wallet, it will be similar to your Instagram account. Okay. So I live in that world. I live in a world that somebody's gonna come along, win the public wallet game, and I'm gonna go to wallet.com slash Allison and look at the tokens you have in the same way that I would Google you or go to your Instagram today. I am completely in belief of that.
1: These so essentially brands will need to have a presence the way they do on a social media platform in the form of a public wallet.
3: The reverse. They need to put out NFTs that are so interesting that lots of people buy them or have them. And then when people go and look at people, if I go to Drake's public wallet and see a dope, you know, Mr. Peanut NFT, that's good brand equity. Mm. Got it? Mm -hmm. So it's so I believe when brands realize this truth. And then start making NFTs that aren't bullshit, just like put it out there, but something that's thoughtful, has a smart contract underneath it, brings extra value, duh, 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 duh. then it gets interesting.
1: Okay. Um, how do a lot of your guests that were just previously on were talking about the NFT community and how that's so important to sort of get involved with different communities who are, you know, into the NFT world, um, how can brands do that? I think a lot of times when brands show up, it seems really cheesy and inauthentic. How can they like? What types of brands can really like make a play in this space?
3: I mean, every brand can make a play. The problem is brands and agencies are cheesy. <laughs> I mean, Vayner does cheesy work. It drives me crazy. Like, like. I don't need to point fingers, let me point thumbs. Maynard does cheesy work because advertising people do advertising shit, Allison. So how can they not? How can they take advantage of this? Space? By stop being fucking cheesy. <laughs> and I think it starts with the client, right? I think you know my my teams get into subconscious what they think the client will say yes to versus presenting the best work. And that's what I yeah. keep pushing them on, right? So I do think it starts with the client's being less scared.
1: Yeah, well, that, that can be difficult, I think. Um,
3: so but, that, I- but Before we move on, that's fear is the devastator of life. Mm. You know, people don't post things on social media because they're scared. Someone's gonna say they're ugly. Brands don't do something smart because they're scared. It may go wrong and then campaign's <laughs> gonna write an article that's, a, you know, like like it's true, that's what they do. Right. And, and I keep reminding people that if you have good intent that it can only be so bad. Right. And I think people, and they, and by the way, we also live in a world where everyone's a keyboard warrior. People crapping on a brand on Twitter and then 24 hours eating their sandwich, even though they don't, you know, like, from a business standpoint, people love to talk on the internet, but don't actually live their life that way.
1: Right, right. Sticks and stones a little bit. Um, a little bit. So a lot of the NFT conversation is around artwork, um, buying and selling digital artwork for businesses. Is there any other viable use case in creating NFTs?
3: Um, yeah, I mean, I think there are utilities. I don't think a single business will ever have, in five, seven years, I don't think a business is gonna have a membership card. Why? Put it out as the NFT. I think I think restaurants can launch a restaurant selling NFT ta- tables where that person owns that table and it becomes like a Rayos situation. I think there's a ton of things coming. Mm. You know, uh,
1: have you seen any good examples yet?
3: No. <laughs> you know, it's it's extremely early. Like I I haven't stumbled on it. I'm sure there are, but like I think that every restaurant should have an NFT project where. The NFT is a discount code if you own it, free food if you own it. I have a lot of ideas in the restaurant space specifically. Mm, interesting.
1: Um, so NFT values you were just talking about have declined pretty rapidly, but you're still really bullish on it. You think anything, everything will be the NFTification of everything, I believe <laughs> was the phrase used. Um, you know, how, do you, how do you see the volatility in the space um, and also just sort of like the newness of it?
3: It's, you know, I've been through this before, right? Like I was there when Facebook stock opened at 42 and went to 19. I was there when everybody wrote the internet off as dead in 2000, you know? Um, So I think, you know, for me, I'm comfortable in this place. I keep reminding people, don't be frivolous with your money. Don't do things that you can't afford to lose. You know, like this um, this is an incredibly amazing time. I do believe in the NFT application of everything but I think that's gonna take a decade. Mm. And, and do I think that somebody can buy an NFT today on OpenSea for a thousand bucks that's destined to be $50,000? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Do I think far more people are gonna buy something for $2,000 that are destined to be $85? I do. Mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. If you bought Beanie Babies at the height of eBay Beanie Babies, then that didn't go to zero, but the Princess Diana Beanie Baby on eBay right now is not what it was in the height. Right. At that same time, you could have bought a Michael Jordan rookie card for a lot less than it is today. Alternative investments have grown. Right. You just have to pick the right ones.
1: Yeah. And you have to think long-term I think about it.
3: Which is why you gotta think about it and the person behind it. Mm.
1: What do you mean by that?
3: Well, for example, one of the reasons I have a ton of confidence with friends is I'm good at building businesses and brands. And so, I'm gonna build out these characters and I think I have a legitimate chance to make them the Smurfs or Care Bears or Power Rangers because I'm good at business and good at brand building. I, if I was on the other side of me, would be more confident in my project than somebody else who might have done beautiful art but has never built a community or an economy. hmm hmm
1: So how do you see VFriends, like what have you learned so far from launching it that other businesses can, can learn from as well and how do you see it fitting into your overall Vayner empire?
3: Um, I think I learned a lot of things. One, I learned that we were very early. The tech was challenging. We had to push it back a week. I learned that um, I learned that what I always believe, it's why my books have done well. I'm a big fan of selling early. So building a discord community for a month before it came out really mattered. Big shout out to everybody who's watching from discord. It's become an incredible community, which has become a monster in itself above and beyond. When I'm in there, the community's bigger and stronger than me. Um, education. Allison, I I put a lot of time and effort into educating people what a non-custodial wallet is. You can't buy my NFT just with Coinbase. You have to get a MetaMask or a Rainbow or a Wallet Connect. Education and community, if you're gonna dive in today, are the two for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, So where do you see VFriends going?
3: I think it's gonna be one of the most significant intellectual properties born out of native NFT land in the history of time.
1: Well, I guess I should go buy one then.
3: I can't give investment (laughs) advice or things that I should, but I can definitely tell you that I'm incredible. I I can tell you this, I've never ever felt like this. I feel like I've always had this weird um, point of view on Walt Disney and Vince McMahon. And now I understand very clearly why I was envious. I was like, man, it'd be so cool to create a world. And the fact that I'm gonna be able to create a world around the things that I am passionate about as Gary Vee. I'm also excited about taking a little bit of a step back. You know, Gary V. is very much me living my life because I know people find the way I communicate interesting. And so it's a platform for me to talk about compassion and empathy and patience and kindness and hard work and ambition and accountability. Things that my mom instilled in me, like things I really genuinely, allison believe in. Mm-hmm. But I'm, a loud, aggressive, compassionate, convicted Jersey boy. And that means that a lot of people aren't gonna fall in love with me. As a matter of fact, some people are like, forget that guy. The fact that I'm gonna be able to use Empathy Elephant or Patient Panda or Accountable Ant to tell the stories that I believe in, that's a legacy that's interesting for me.
1: That sounds awesome. I'm excited to see where it goes.
3: Awesome. Thanks for being on. That was fun. Andrea, I like what you did there. I, I think that is a format for future. She's for sure. good. She's, she, she's brilliant. A, she's amazing, but I've never been on the other side on marketing for right now. Allison, thank you. <laughs> you
2: never know on marketing. Thank, thank you, guys. Allison. Next up, we've got Mike Winkleman, known by many as people. Mike what? is an artist living in Charleston, South Carolina, who has been at the forefront of digital art for the last 20 years. He is best known for the Every Days project in which he has created a picture from the start to finish for 14 plus years. This year, Christie's Auction House offered an NFT of a compilation of these images entitled The First 5,000 Days, which sold for $69.3 million. Welcome, Mike. (laughs) Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I love how both of us are shaking our head with that.
7: Like when she said that, both of us are just like,
3: Oh my fucking God. <laughs> Mike, you you put in the work for a decade place. You taught yourself. You got better at drawing. You you figured out that karma and giving worked. Your earliest breakthroughs were through these, you know, visual, visual jockeying, kind of video jockeying for the music world. You know, I see a lot of people have a, you know, anytime you're going to do something like sell a piece of digital art first and early when the world knows nothing about NFTs for that kind of number, of course, we have to have compassion for society to have a ridiculous overreaction in the other way, saying, who is this guy that's a bull, makes sense. On the flip side, for me, I see a very different story. I see a man who committed to his craft, who did it for 14 years, who got better and better at his craft, who had the natural storytelling talent and then, Recognized an innovation change that I was able to apply against, and built momentum.
7: Thoughts? I think I think you forgot the luck part there. There's a little luck. There's a little luck.
3: There. There. Listen, the, you know, people that work hard push against luck, and and I get why. But of course, luck. You were lucky to be born. Your mom and dad had sex at the right moment. That was four hundred trillion to one. People.
7: There you go. There. You I go. was born That's in the Soviet Union,
3: and you know, was born at a time where they were gonna let people out. I mean, luck is, I'm lucky a tree didn't fall on my head.
7: It's true, that's true. Okay, enough about my parents having sex. Let's get it. I've got a bunch of questions too. Um, You're asking questions? Yes, I have questions too. She copied me.
3: Respect, go ahead.
7: Okay, so why did you do the V friends on Ethereum?
3: It was, you know, Ethereum is a platform I invested in, in 2017, 16. It was the place I was most comfortable with. I believe in Ethereum. You know, I myself believe that in the platform Um, long-term. The the team at NFT42 that I decided to work with were Ethereum on-chain OGs, so they felt most comfortable. I looked at Wax. I didn't really look at Flow, mainly because I was just cheering for, like they had their own, I was like, Flow's busy. Right, they've got NBA Top Shot. I love Rohan, but I I didn't really look. I looked at Wax a little bit. I just felt I never, you know, I've said already on here. I only feel comfortable in doing things I understand a little bit more. I was concerned about the gas fees. I was concerned about you know, you know, the environmental aspects. I spent a lot of time on. I I spent time. I, it's where I personally felt most comfortable.
7: Are there any of the private blockchains that you're like excited about? It sounds like not. Super huge at the moment, or oh, actually,
3: actually, actually, yesterday I had a team uh, meeting with my team, Phil, AJ, others, and said, "All right, guys, now that I'm kind of like over step one, my biggest passion is to really dig deep and get my own opinions on Polkadot, Cosmos, you know, um, Cardano, Solana. Like, I want to really learn. Like, I, I don't view, I, I think it's impossible that in six years it's just Ethereum." Yeah. So, see, that's the thing that
7: I'm kind of like going back and forth on, just because it's kind of like at these prices, especially. I, I, if if NFTs are still around, which I do think they will be, like, I feel like Ethereum's going to be the last one to go. Like, it's going to be like uh, it's hard for me to imagine a private blockchain overtaking Ethereum. Like, I'm I'm incredibly,
3: I'm incredibly bullish on Ethereum, but tomorrow Sally might. Announce something, and after a hundred hours of work, I'm going to be like, "Oh my god!" But no, I think I think Ethereum has crossed into the and category, meaning it's going to be Ethereum and whatever else happens. Exactly, that's and, what so, I and that's why I, that's where I feel, you know, passionate about.
7: And People, so, looking at them long term, that's why it's very yeah.
3: hard. Yeah, I get it. People, what um? I
7: have one more question. A, one more
3: question. I I'll, I'll ask one, and you jump back. Okay. As a human, you've had this incredibly. Once in a lifetime moment, you're you're a couple of weeks, months, you know, a month or so plus away, you know, removed from it. What's different? Because there has to be something, it can't all be the same. What's different today than six months ago? And what's exactly the same? Because I think it's for a lot of people here, they may win the lottery, they may have something tough happen at adversity or something amazing happen. And I think hearing something this jarring of a life change might help somebody in what they're going through right now, which is why I ask. So what's different and what's the same?
7: Um, The same is that, I don't know, I'm still like very focused on making digital art, super excited about it. And sort of like, I didn't move, I didn't go buy a bunch of crazy crap. Like it's sort of, in a lot of respects, there's a lot that didn't change. Um, what did change is now I have employees and I'm doing kind of all the same things to a degree, but on different sort of scale and sort of a different. Um, yeah, it, it's just like I'm doing most of the things I was doing. Obviously, I was not making physical objects before NFT. And that's a big, big difference from what I'm doing now. Um but it's, it's kind of very similar to what I was doing before just on you know a, a much sort of like broader scale and, and, and with a lot more sort of like collaboration and people kind of like helping me. But otherwise it's sort of like, I don't feel like it's sort of like, my life has taken a vastly different direction. It just feels like accelerated. And to be quite honest, I actually thought this would happen. Uh, not to this level this quickly, but I actually thought that at, when I hit 20 years of everyday's, people would pay way more attention than they were. And so I, I thought that I would have some sort of like national level attention when I hit 20 years. And so it me. happened quicker than I thought.
3: Good for you. And I was like,
7: always sort of like, I'm not gonna stop doing this. People will catch up to where. Were you
3: were you more emotional when you saw your art in the wild in that trip that you took to Hong Kong, or more when you got your first big sale? in NFT land this year. Mm. That is by the way, I'm gonna let you ask your question now because that pause alone is what I was looking for and kind of knew it would be true.
7: Yeah, I don't know. They're just different. It was kind of like it was it was sort of like they're both just different forms of kind of like they're both different forms of like external validation, but at the same time I really feel like external validation is this fucking it's 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 a it's a uh, it's a, it's a uh, bittersweet. It's one of these things where it's good, but it can also be like, yeah, don't get too fucking focused on this external validation. I know when I do something that's good, and I know when I do something that's bullshit, and it has nothing to do with what other people think of it. And and, and, and the I'm more sorry. you're leaning on other people, the more really they do. can. But my question is, why'd you do the Dutch auctions?
3: I was worried that too many, I've had people over the last four years want to invest in me, Mike, in a way that you can't imagine. Really special, wealthy, credible, nice people. I got very scared that a lot of them, and there's been a lot of them, would see this project for what it was, which was an incredible way to invest in all my capabilities. And I was scared that they were gonna price out all of my community. And so I capped it. And it's worked out exactly the way I wanted. When I go into my discord and I see people in there sitting with a V friend and I know what's it in the same fucking way that you sat there 13 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, a year or two in and saying one day, I fucking know that V friends is gonna be fucking huge. Disney, fucking, fucking Scooby Doo, fucking Harry Potter, Hello Kitty, I will not rest until these characters mean a lot in popular culture. And now, now, that my original, I feel like everybody in my community, my email, my social, I've given them a chance. Now, with the 20% that are still left on vfriends.com and I'm still pissed you don't own a name, we're gonna fight <laughs> <on> this. Dude, <laughs> I know you don't know how to buy NFTs. Um, uh, <laughs> people, But but now that I've given them all a chance, now, next week, I'll go to wealthy friends and really speak to them one-on-one and say, let me tell you what I'm gonna actually do these next 20 years and why I'd like you to buy the." and with the price of Ethereum right now being, you know, I mean, it's an incredible opportunity. I'm just incredibly pumped how I did it. I left money on the table. Yes. But I have a royalty. So I left money on the table to make sure I took care of my community. But now I'm gonna go to work. Like the fact that, I know somebody who had $6,000 bought one for 3,000 and one day is gonna sell it to somebody I know that's super wealth. Like I'm, I can't tell you this Robin Hood-like game that I've been playing in my head, but I feel incredible today. And the fact that there's still about 20% of the inventory on the original website and you can buy it excites the shit out of me because it feels like whoever really believes in me is gonna benefit and you probably feel this about your original, you must feel incredible knowing that some people bought your shit early on and now are making incredible life-changing money for themselves because of the collateral impact. That's what I'm gonna do at scale.
7: Oh, 100%, I had a buddy who bought one for a thousand bucks and sold it for 200,000 bucks and like got all of his debt. And it's just and like, one oh of my re- God. One,
3: one of the reasons I held back so many tokens and then stamped them G-O-O, Gary originally owned, is because I'm gonna give them to my sister and my other friends who are gonna, it's gonna be game-changing for them.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Anyway, I love you, pal. Dude,
7: sure, thank you, dude. Talk to you soon. Talk
3: As we end today's podcast, I wanna give a huge shout-out to the people, you know, it's so funny, people that leave reviews and written reviews of this podcast on Apple, Spotify, and all the other platforms just mean the world to me. You've taken an extra 13 to 95 seconds to show love and also give context to people of why this is a worthwhile podcast. So I appreciate that so much. And even more fun, Uh, because I think we all love a little cosign or a shout-out or a little awareness. Uh, I'm going to have the team give a couple of shout-outs daily on uh, our favorite reviews. So take it away. Which were our favorites this week?
0: Thanks, Gary. Today's amazing five-star review comes from Bradley Lamar, and it reads, Mood Fuel. Listen to Gary for 15 minutes, talk about anything, and you'll get fired up. Grateful to have this man's perspective. Always delivers for me. Thanks, Bradley. We're very glad that you find a lot of value in this podcast. And to anybody listening out there, if you leave us a review like Bradley did,
6: you might just get shouted out in the next episode.